Hey there, AJ Cordero here, a co-host on the Hockey Flow. I've been podcasting since 2007, and I've seen many changes over the years. But the best one has been the introduction of Anchor. And here's why. It's because it's easy and it's free. Seriously, I've spent so much time, money, and effort to get something at this level back in the day. Now, with a push of a few buttons, all that time, money, and energy are spent producing the show rather than distributing it. Now, you might not think you need a podcast, and hey, maybe you don't. But don't think of a podcast just as a way to get your news, sports, and entertainment fixes. It can be a way to tell your family's stories, shine a light on your hobbies and communities, go in-depth for a love of your team, or discuss how to change the world. The possibilities are limitless. Anchor provides creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They also distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and every player that supports an RSS feed. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum requirement on the size of your audience. Don't waste a second. Download the free Anchor app on your smartphone today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it. Seriously. The world is waiting to hear your story. This is the Hockey Flow. It's a weekly show that focuses on the critical stories happening in hockey today with a focus on the NHL. My name is AJ Cordero. It's Wednesday, August the 19th, 2020. You're probably going to be hearing this on the 21st. I hope you're doing okay, and I hope you're wearing a mask, because that's what we got to do. Keep your stick on the ice. But first, let's bring in our two amazing co-hosts. That is ScrimmageAndStats.com's Marco D'Amico. You can find his work on Twitter, at TheHockeyExpert. And of course, the great Adam Boucher. You can find his work on Twitter, at ReallyAdamB. Before we go any further, though, we have to have a little song second. Uh, we usually start the show pretty high energy, but this one's a little bit of a sad note. West Winnipeg Jets star uh, Barry Colts uh, head coach Dale Harchuk passed away at the age of 57. I'm going to actually pass this over to Marco because Marco is a huge Jets fan, specifically of Mr. Harchuk, so I'll let you do the tribute. Yeah, well, you know, when you think of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, a lot of people are going to think of Team Mussolini uh, with merit, uh, but for me, it'll always be Dale Harchuk. I feel like for me, uh, this guy really revolutionized uh, what it is to be a Winnipeg Jet. Um, I feel like once they brought the Winnipeg Jets back, uh, having Dale Howard Chuck there to kind of bridge uh, the legacies of the old franchise that moved to the Coyotes and then the Atlanta Thrashers that moved back to Winnipeg, uh, I think it was ideal. I think this guy was an ambassador for the game. Uh, so many great memories. Um, I remember him. Well, remember, I wasn't born, but I remember watching him play uh, with Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky uh, on one of the most dangerous lines I've ever seen. Uh, you know, first overall pick uh, in 1981, multiple 100-point seasons, great captain, um, just a guy that was able to give his heart and soul, uh, and really one of the best players to play the game. I mean, 1,400 points in 1,188 games, uh, that's pretty wild. So for me, uh, you know, as a hockey player, he was excellent, but as a person, uh, the way he helped grow the game, um, and grassroots movements, uh, the way he went about helping players and Barry, uh, really excel, uh, and get better. I really like where he was going with this. Um, it really hurts because the, the Barry Colts, uh, his junior team that he was coaching really, uh, were at the top uh, of what they were doing. I know that when I was watching Ryan Suzuki last year, I noticed little things that Dale Howardchuck was doing and he just, he just understood the game on such a, on such a strong level, on such a meticulous level that it's, it's such a loss to the hockey world. And yet that pales in comparison to the loss that his family must be feeling. So really 
from my end, the most heartfelt condolences to the Howard Chuck family. I know they've stood by his side uh, for the length of his, his cancer. Um, the entire hockey world is with you. So sad note, uh, but le- a legend nonetheless in the game. So Mr. Harchuk, you will be remembered and we'll tap our sticks on the ice for you. Uh, in less, much less sad news and cause he's still around and kicking around and still will be action, but he won't be as often uh, seen on TSN. Bob McKenzie announced his semi-retirement, uh, after the NHL draft lottery. Um, we didn't get a chance to cover this last week, but, um, He's covered, I mean, how how many games, how many decades, like three decades worth of a career in journalism, both in print and media. He started off with the Toronto Star, then he moved to the Hockey News. And of course, most people, all of us kind of grew up on breakfast television at TSN watching uh, him give his take on what was happening last night and what were the key stories in free agency or NHL draft or trade deadline or World Juniors and all that good stuff. It's going to be... Uh, a miss to see him uh, no longer on TSN, but we're going to be happy because we get to still see him around and he'll be, like I said, semi-retirement. Um, any other things you want to add, the guys? I mean, almost 40 years uh, as, as a, like a top-ranking sports journalist, uh, all the way back to the Hockey News in 1982. So really, it's, it, it's, it's, it's phenomenal that this individual was able to both gain the respect of players, fans, executives, uh, other media outlets, be they in Canada or other. Uh, He was on NBC a few times, especially for the draft. Um, When I think, yeah, exactly. So if if you look at what he's done, how far he's come and what he means to the sport, um, I don't like they should have a new category in the Hockey Hall of Fame for just like, personality and or uh, exceptional media member because Bob McKenzie to me is irreplaceable. I don't think anybody is going to be able to get there. Um, I think you, you've seen uh, TSN kind of groom uh, Pierre Lebrun to kind of take over that uh, role as well as uh, Frank Saravalli. But I just, uh, the, the way he spoke, the, the execution, the class, um, the reserved, uh, the reserved opinions or the, the meticulous opinions in an era of complete sensationalism. Um, I just feel like he's, he's a diamond in the rough and it'll take us years to find anyone ever close to that. Well said, big shoes to fill. All right. We're going to take a quick pause here and we'll be right back. And we're back, and so let's get right into it. Uh, let's talk series. Where do you want to take it, boys? I, I'm thinking, Adam, what do you want to go? What do you want to start off with? Uh, I think we should start off with Carolina and Boston. Yeah. Carolina, Boston, the series that keeps on giving, or doesn't. <laughs> so let's, uh, what do you want to start off with? What are you thinking so far? The series has been quite a back and forth. Boston now leads it 3-1. Uh, they're playing today, even though you probably aren't going to hear this uh, on Friday. They were playing today in game five. So we just had so many storylines as of now. We had, uh, well, as of now, as it stands, Boston's leading 3-1. And... They've taken the 3-1 lead without their starting goaltender in Tuka Rask, who decided to opt out. I'm sure everyone knows about it as of now. Um, Just quick summary. What, what's the reason so why? He stated that he wanted to take uh, basically a time off. He wanted to be back with his family and where it actually matters, not to quote him word for word. Um, 
but yeah, I think no one can blame him. I think at the end of the day, um, health and being with your family is what really matters, especially in, in the current state of pandemic we're living in. Um, switching it back to hockey, I think it's just interesting to see what Halak is going to bring to the table for the Bruins. And then being able to win, I think it's two games now with him as the starter. Pretty impressive. And yeah, I, I'm very, I can't wait to see what Carolina does to get back in the series. Yeah, I, um, I'm i not sold on Halak. Like, I, I'm happy for the fact that the Bruins are able to beat uh, the Carolina Hurricanes without their leading scorer, even though Boston doesn't have their leading scorer right now in Pasternak. Um, it is good for the Bruins that Brad Marchand has woken up because uh, during the play, uh, during the, the round robin, he wasn't really there for me. Um, I think the defense has played really well. Like I, no one's really talking about him, but if you look at a guy um, like um, Charlie McAvoy right now, he's really establishing himself as one of the elite uh, defensive defensemen in this NHL. I really like the way um, I really like the way he's playing. Personally, for me, I feel like he can eventually lead to something bigger, uh, potentially taking over as the full uncontested number one. Uh, and that's really what you're seeing right now because he's shutting down the Ajo line. Yeah, and without it's pretty impressive to see them, as you said, without Pasternak. Um, but also, what are we thinking about? I think we have to talk about it, the, the Sveshnikov injury. How, how gruesome was that? If he would have fallen flat, if he would have fallen flat, would, he, would we be no. talking about this? No. It's, again, in hockey, the consequence justifies the conversation, not the actual action on the ice. Although, it's Chara, so it's also like nuclear the moment he tries to injure or anything happens to him that causes injury. Um, but again, it's, it's a freak accident. Uh, unfortunate slew foot, in my opinion. I don't think it was intentional. AJ, I mean, did you see the play? Like, I, I, am I going crazy? Being helped off the ice in game three was brutal, right? I mean, like, it looked like a really serious leg injury. But then you see him in game four, just a boon on his face. It's not, I think they dodged the bullet, right? I mean, that's what Brendan Moore said. Well, they said it. It's, it could have been worse. It was not the worst case scenario. It's bad, but it's not worst case right. scenario. Right. And he's still staying in the well, bubble with thing. his teammates in Toronto. So, and we got that from, um, from Friedman. So, I think overall, I mean, it still sucks to not have in your lineup, but for long term, you can definitely be pre- grateful that, that there's not, it's not as severe as it looked. Possibly. Um, the way that I see it is I don't think that the severity of the injury should influence the action on the ice or the judgment of the action on the ice. And I feel like that happens a lot in hockey. Um, there are many, many dirty plays that happen on the ice that are just easily like allowed to, to, to go by because there's no consequence to it. And then a whimsical play like this will be microanalyzed to the point of looking at the player's eyes in like super zoom to see if there was intent to injure. Like, you know, I understand, but this is a quick game. This is the playoffs. People are fighting for position. It happens. It happens. I would rather Chara do something like that and try to win for position and see a freak accident than him board somebody head first into a, uh, a stanchion and crack three vertebrae. You know, there's, there's a difference I feel. Uh, so I'm happy that Zveshnikov seems great. 
Uh, I'm happy that it was not the worst case scenario, uh, but uh, I think we should lay off of Chara. All right. So what is the next series that you want to take? Mark, I'm going to throw it over to you. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, I'd like to talk about a series that, that I found uh, to be quite entertaining, and that was the Vancouver Canucks versus the St. Louis Blues series. The Canucks and the Blues currently tied 2-2 in their series overall. Let's, uh, so what are, you, what are you thinking? What are, you, what are the key takeaways to look at there? Well, I thought that the kids, uh, or the, the young players especially, like, and the cornerstones of that franchise, especially Bo Horvath, really started that series on fire. Uh, they went up 2-0 in the first two games. Uh, that overtime goal in game two was something to behold. That pass uh, that was made from, from Quinn Hughes to, to Bo Horvat. Ooh la la. And then obviously Bo Horvat's uh, end-to-end goal, again, is probably going to be the, uh, the goal in the playoffs. Just, in, it, just spectacular. The only thing I would say uh, is that finally, finally the St. Louis Blues best players uh, are deciding to start playing, and that starts with Ryan O'Reilly, who is pretty much taken over the last two games. And that's why this series is tied. Um, I believe the Vancouver Canucks had like a two, two had a two, nothing lead uh, going into like the third period against the St. Louis blues in game three. And St. Louis came back won in overtime and then won yes, uh, won their last game, which was a back to back. So really again, uh, and this is all by the way, without Vladimir Tarasenko who has left the bubble. Um, so I don't know if you got a chance to watch this series, um, Adam, if you got to see anybody that stood out to you, especially for the blues, uh, for the blues, honestly, I was mostly shocked slash surprised by, uh, by Allen getting two W's, two wins back to back. Um, obviously Tarasenko is a huge loss for St. Louis, but you're, you here, you're losing Bennington, which is, which was their best player, arguably last playoff run right um yeah i'm honestly just surprised how changing your goalie especially for that core player which is the same core player of last as last year as the cup run uh the effect it can have on on the team as a whole um yeah i would have to go with allen as my x factor and my surprise so far because otherwise it the series might might have been done by now right yeah, yeah, and I think that um, I think what it does also is it kind of changes the opinion that people may have on on Jake Allen. Maybe you know, maybe he's not a perennial number one, but he could be like a James uh, a Reimer esque one uh, B goalie. Uh, especially now that the St. Louis Blues need the cap space to resign uh, Petrangelo and Vince Dunn. Um So it's I, I'm really happy for him because I thought he was on his way out of the league. Uh, after next season, after his contract ended, uh, but he's shown that he could be thrown into literally thrown to the wolves uh, and uh, and still put up some good performances. However, uh, I've been saying this since last year, and Jordan Bennington to me screams, you know, good goalie in behind exceptional team like that. The defense in 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 St. Louis and the team defense in St. Louis is exceptional, um, except obviously at speed. Um, but when you look at it, if you, if you look at the way that the St. Louis blues are, 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 are built, most goalies should be able to come in and put up, you know, above replacement numbers, uh, just by the limited amount of high danger chances they get against them. Uh, Jake Allen was peppered the last two games and he looked very good. He was beaten by perfect shots, uh, that Elias Pettersson goal comes to mind. Um, so really 
I'd like to see Allen come out on this simply because I cheer for him harder than Bennington. But this is going to put some serious questions into if uh, Jordan Bennington is the goalie of the future for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. And if I could just top it off, uh, bringing back to the Canucks. So you have, I'm sure they're going to bounce back next game. They're not losing three in a row. That's my opinion. Uh, you have Hughes, you have Pedersen, who have nine points in those playoffs so far in eight games. So they're above a point per game. And then the X factor, I think, for everyone here is Bo Horvat, who's scoring at a point per game with eight points in eight games, um, while also countering the top lines on the other side. So that's very impressive. And I think the Canucks are bouncing back in this series. Okay, so uh, there's definitely a lot of takeaway. What do you guys think of Pedersen's performance so far with the Canucks? He's playing like the number one center. Um, it also helps when Bo Horvat has elevated his game as well. So I feel like the top two centers are really pulling the, the weight around. Um, one thing I will say that uh, has impressed me with Pedersen is that he's not shying away from the physical play. Uh, St. Louis is a big team. They've pushed him around a few times. Uh, obviously, um, you know, you're going to be looking at a guy, uh, who is what, 21 now, uh, don't expect him to, to, to necessarily be at physical maturity, but the fact that he's holding his own is very impressive. He's thinking the game faster. Every game, his execution is getting better in tighter spaces. So really for me, uh, he's doing exactly what I thought he would do. And then a little bit more. Well, that's definitely something to look forward to because I, I'll have to be honest. I haven't been watching the West Coast games as much. I have, I've been highlighting a highlight package, reels, lots of stuff. But you, as anyone who watches hockey will tell you, highlight reels, they don't tell you the whole story. Nowhere near. Uh, so let's move to a series that is actually wrapped, and I'm going to call it right now. Let's talk about the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I'm happy about this. Sorry, Hawks fans. Uh, in your face. Uh, <laughs> we're not the first team to get bounced out, uh, at the very least. Uh, so... I, well, I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. What are the key things that we should have, we should be taking away? What are, the Vegas Golden Knights clearly put on a performance. The Hawks didn't have what it took, and they're under the second round of the playoffs. Now they must be looking around their team and figuring out exactly. There's some holes here. There's some things that we need to fix. Patcharetti looking very good, nonetheless. What are the key pieces that they have to be focusing on for the next level? I, they just have to keep playing the way they did. I mean, they weren't the number one seeded team for nothing, for no reason. It's uh, very true. <laughs> now, so they, they they basically rolled over the Hawks in five games, which is no surprise on my end. Uh, the key pieces, so we have two up front in Stone and Smith who are going point per game with eight points each. Uh, I think they're carrying the bigger load offensively. Uh, you also have Alex Tuck, who's been very surprising in, in the series against the, the Blackhawks. Uh, on the back end, my surprise of the playoff is Shea Theodore, who's playing like a Norris-type defender. Uh, he's sitting at seven points so far in, in, in the playoffs. And honestly, he's just the, he's the key piece on the back end for the Vegas Golden Knight, Knights. And then you also have, well... A very good duo in net in Leonard and Fleury, who both saw action in, in the series. And yeah, I think you just have it all when it comes to to being a good playoff performer. They have it all. And I, I, I think they could come out of the West very easily. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think Vegas is poised uh, to go deep. Uh, I think getting the first seed was uber important because, uh, you know, now we're seeing a tighter series between Colorado and Arizona. We'll get to later. We'll see a tighter series between Arizona and, and, and Colorado moving forward. Uh, so that might complicate things because if they do get the Arizona matchup, they're sitting in a, you know, a very high advantage yet again. Um, ultimately, for me right now, I think that Vegas is the team uh, that I would peg to come out. I just I don't know that there's many teams that could deal with them right now. The only thing or the only team that I feel could do damage versus them, ironically, is the Colorado Avalanche. Like if that's the Western Conference final, I could see it going Colorado's way. However, uh, the one thing with Vegas, and you touched on it, is, is Shea Theodore. Let us remind everybody that Shea Theodore was a throw-in so that the Vegas Knights can select Clayton Stoner from Anaheim during the expansion draft. Oh, so bad. So cringe. They gave the wrong defenseman. Um, ultimately, for me, although I will say one thing, and that is the the system that's being played, the way that Vegas is first on the puck, the way that Vegas uh, plays their game, that they tighten up the and, and they make they made the Blackhawks pay to get into the, the high danger areas. And let's not kid ourselves. If they didn't dominate the Blackhawks, they were one goal games. Um, both goalies stood on their heads. Great chances from each end. I thought Patrick Kane played very good this series. Uh, I was very happy with the progression of Kirby Dak uh, as well, third overall pick. But it's clear to me, as clear as day, that Chicago will just need to continue developing their defensive prospects because once their defense catches up to their offense and they have a, they have a goalie to take over from Crawford, I think they're going to have their second window uh, to compete perennially. Lots of interesting stuff there. Let's keep it out in the West Coast now. I want to move to a different series. Uh, Adam, you had quite high hopes for the series. I don't know if you still do, but the Colorado Avalanche versus the <laughs> Arizona Coyotes. Sorry, I still occasionally say Phoenix because it's been conditioned from years and years of watching hockey. But uh, the Phoenix Coyotes are not a team anymore. It's the Arizona Coyotes. So in any case, right now, Colorado leaves that series 3-1, especially they got a, quite a drubbing on Monday, uh, 7-1 loss to the Avalanche. Any hope left in this, or is this pretty much a wrap and done, hand over the Christmas present now? This series is ending today. After you saw the Avalanche put up seven, it just shows when once they get hot, you can't stop them. Um, everyone's been talking about the top line. I would like to, to, to swing it back to play off Kadri. Nine points is leading the team. And which is, he has more points than Landeskog and Rantanen. And he's equaling McKinnon's total as of now. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything the Coyotes can do. Um, the series ending today. And I see, as Marco said, I would see Colorado or Vegas coming out of the West uh, with no problem whatsoever. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, you know, it's, it's a little ironic that uh, you're looking at the Avalanche right now and, you know, they're getting offense from a lot of people, pretty much everybody. It's, I feel like it's, it's, it's not just the top line that's, that's producing. I feel like everybody is. Um, defensively, I like the way that Grubauer is playing uh, in net. And I also like that although Kale McCarr kind of started this series slow, 
his last two games have been his best. Um, so really, I think that the Avalanche are going in the right direction. I have to agree with with Adam here. I think getting shelled 7-1 and then immediately facing an elimination game uh, from a psychological perspective, it's a little hard to get fired up for that. Um, you know, maybe... You don't, you don't think that Rick Tockett can somehow push aside the I wouldn't be surprised if Rick Tockett so bet on the Avalanche tonight. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> Funny historical uh, joke. Look at that. Joke. But um, ultimately, <laughs> what I think is going to, to happen here is I think it's going to be a tight game. I think the Coyotes are going to come in hard the first 10 minutes of the game. And if the Avalanche can weather that storm and maintain possession and continue getting scoring chances, uh, they'll have the edge and ultimately will win the series. So I, I think that I don't disagree with this. This seems like pretty common sense. Um, I think, and sorry, uh, Yo's fans, we're just, this is an inevitability, at least in my view. But uh, Grubauer, you brought him up for a second. He hasn't faced that many shots. And so, uh, I mean, he's allowed only three goals in three games. He has a shutout. He's made timely and, and pretty good saves. But do you think that that would be a question mark that goes into the next series? Or is that something that just the defense in front of him is going to be more than fine to soak up any of the pressure. Well, I think I'll ask you the same question for another goaltender in an Eastern Conference series in not too long. And I think you're going to answer the same thing in the sense that, well, that argument can go both ways. Perhaps it'll just be a continuation of what he's done because he's still stopping high danger chances. He's just not getting the periphery shots as much as other teams would. I call that peppering a goalie from a distance the the classic Max Pacioretty, Brendan Gallagher attempts from the, from the half circle or the blue line. Um, the Coyotes are getting chances in tight uh, and Grubauer is stopping them. They might not be many, but when they happen, they count. Uh, and, you know, you might say that he hasn't faced that many, but you know what? Neither did UC Saros uh, or Pecorine and they all seem to want it to go in. So I think Grubauer is doing fine. I think that the Avalanche have a team defense that can shut down those kind of opportunities for him. And that is more valuable to me than a goalie standing on his head. All right. So let's jump back to the Eastern Conference. Now let's talk about the uh, Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders. Actually, there's some uh, new news coming out from the Washington Capitals camp. Zach Fucali, former Montreal Canadian, he's actually just been signed uh, to a one-year two-way deal. It's going to be worth around $750,000. And uh, so good luck to him. Respect. Hopefully he does well. Um, Hopefully not against us. So, (laughs) Marco, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, What do you take for away? Obviously, the Islanders are in full control of the series. Yeah, no, of course. Well, I was happy to see the, the Washington Capitals show a sign of life, though, uh, winning yesterday the way, the way that they did. One thing I will say, um, I'm a little confused as to where the secondary scoring is at. Uh, the, way that you, the way that we've been looking at this team, you know, I see a very frustrated Ovechkin, um, whose nets of uh, doesn't seem to be flying as much, uh, pun intended. Uh, doing his uh, famous uh, eagle, uh, his famous eagle uh, celebratory dance, but I'm not looking necessarily at them. I'm looking at like the the, the Jacob Vranas. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, guys that play on the periphery, also on the back end, like a Dmitry Orlov, uh, John Carlson. Uh, I found to be a little lackluster as well, but that's not because they're not trying. That's because Barry Trotz wrote the book that they're following and he's playing against them. So he naturally knows how to shut those guys down. Um, you know, if you look on the other side, offensively speaking, uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Matt Barzala, the ones leading this team, 
uh, and they're playing, they're doing so with exceptional defense. So, you know, again, you see why Lula Moriello wanted to go and get Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and that was to take a load off of Matt Barzal, who's been able to express himself more offensively in this playoffs than he did last year. And I feel like that's the part of his game that's growing. And that's the part of his game that a guy like Kuznetsov uh, or Backstrom might not be able to keep up with uh, being that a veteran has been off for four months versus a young player in his early 20s whose legs are still just roaring to go. So you, you see that matchup being a little tilted right now. Yeah. Also, I like the point that you made about uh, the uh, capital signing Fukale. Uh, they're likely going to need depth in Hershey next year since they might realistically lose Brayden Holby uh, once they get uh, eventually once they get eliminated uh, to free agency, and Samsonov would likely take over as number one. But that makes sense. Uh, Adam, anything else you want to add on this? Yeah, I just really like the Islanders what how they're playing, what they're doing <laughs> with the Caps. They they win like, games, and no one seems to talk about them. They're 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 leading exactly. We're about to sweep the Capitals. Yeah, it's, it's can we true. just say that sweep. I thought that yeah. the Islanders would be far more boring than the Flyers, and they're not. And it's the other way around completely. It's complete yeah. opposite. It's they're playing rope and dope hockey. It's, we... uh, it's absolutely beautiful to see, and it's against the Capitals. Sorry, go ahead, Adam. Yeah, it's just you have. You have three guys just killing it for the, the Islanders in Barzal, Beauvilliers, Bailey, even Pajot. And you have uh, the goalie with the most wins in the playoffs for, in Varlamov. And no one's talking about the Islanders. Uh, and that's probably the best thing that could happen to them. Yeah, they're, they're about to... I think they, they finish uh, the Caps in five. They would be the lowest-seeded team, right? In the East to keep going if the Canadians lose. And uh, yeah, yeah, okay, so they would... They would naturally play Boston, right? If uh, or no, the Lightning, the Lightning, which is what what is the Lightning? Yeah, the Lightning, especially since two one, Lightning is still ongoing. Oh, it's two one. Okay, sorry, we're uh, we're literally we're recording this live on Wednesday, so we're watching the scores at the same time. Uh, But yeah, no, Peugeot looks great. He's been. I mean, even in the game that they lost, he it was that wonderful deflected shot against uh, I think was Scott Mayfield, right? uh, right Beauty, it's just the beauty. Yeah, it's like I I I mean I I prefer when you when you're in a three nothing position you just close the deal right there's there's definitely a little bit of that creep that comes in where like oh they got one could they do it you know i mean statistically good luck exactly. I, I think this is a done deal congratulations to them i uh, i don't think Riordan has a, a chance to to work against this you go three down uh, in a series like that it's just a done deal at that point uh okay so let's stay uh with potential done deals let's move to a series close to our hearts uh Let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers. So, uh, well, <laughs> I'll throw it over to you, Marco, to start off first on a little comment on the on the Montreal-based fa- fandom. You want me to describe the Montreal fanbase? <laughs> Preferably without using explosive. Oh, no, no, don't worry about that. I just, um, I feel like it's a very <laughs> confused fanbase. I feel like a week ago we were all, uh, we're, okay. sorry, we're all very adamant that, uh, missing out on the Lafreniere sweepstakes and the ninth overall pick was worth it because their young kids were able to gain experience and have been taking leading roles, uh, you know, as the best players on their team in a victory over a team like Pittsburgh. And then also blanking uh, the Flyers in a serious way. I believe it was on Sunday. No, could be, could be another day. Sorry. Days go by so fast nowadays. Um, But ultimately uh, what we've seen is, 
now all of a sudden when the Canadians aren't flying, we go back to old tropes of, well, they should have, they could have used that top 10 pick. I mean, yeah, so could have Chicago. So could actually no Arizona gave their pick to New Jersey. So, so could Chicago. And I don't see Chicago fans, you know, crying in the streets right now because Kirby Dak and Adam Boquist got, you know, key experience and looked really good. Yet Montreal Canadiens fans, uh, I feel like they have this, this idea that their GM is so inept uh, in their perception that they, uh, they see like the top 10 pick being impervious to corruption and therefore the only way to success. Uh, I absolutely disagree with this, uh, the way that people think of like that. Um, Kakaniemi and Suzuki, to me, have been the best players. Anybody who's watched the Montreal Canadiens also think, can also see Jake Evans clearly looking better than most of the forwards on the ice, and he's in, he's in his early 20s. Uh, Victor Mete has upped his game as well for me, and, and you know again, Carey Price has been stellar. Where is everybody else? And I think that's the question everybody should ask, is that what does this tell you about the Montreal Canadiens? What have we learned uh, or what can uh, an executive that's looking at this take from this? It's that the Canadians are on the right path, right? The Canadians have a core of young players, cornerstones at center that they can finally build around. And as we've known as Montreal Canadiens fans over the last 20 years, it's far harder to do the former, which is get your two top six cornerstone centers for the next 10 years in place than it is to surround them. Usually it's been the other way around. Yeah, and you see Kotkin, Yemi, you see Suzuki just killing it in the playoffs. And I think you're right. The the players who are supposed to be our core players are not showing up. Um, haven't seen Gallagher all series long. He's injured, I'm 100% not, injured. Uh, he's, I hope he is. Yeah, no, he's, he's 100%. Definitely, he's definitely I can guarantee something. you, because I can pull out the clip from when he actually... You actually Injury saw him himself. grab his yeah. ankle versus Pittsburgh. Yep, exactly. Yeah. He's a hundred percent injured. A non-injured Gallagher would have publicly trashed the Montreal media for even asking if he was injured. He, you see it in his decision making. You see it in the way that he enters the zone. Gallagher had no problems entering the zone and crashing the net. Now he's entering the zone and shooting from the left circle out of nowhere. Um, is you can tell that he's playing hurt. Absolutely. Okay, but Gallagher's one piece, and but as Absolutely. you identified, where's Philip Daniel? Where's Thomas Tatar? Where's Jonathan Drouin? Where's Max Domi? These well, people, the, the all of them three. look like shadows of their former selves. No, right? I think Philip Daniel is playing exceptional defense, which is always his thing. He's just not playing the two best wingers on the team anymore, so the offense isn't coming easy. It's as okay, simple I'll give as you that. that. That's that's but a fair point. Where's Thomas Tatar? Where's Jonathan Drouin? And especially where is Max Domi? Max Domi right now is where offense goes to die for me because he keeps making the low percentage plays and putting pucks where nobody's at instead of just being a little bit more patient with it or actually shooting it himself. And I feel like that is the key. No one is paying the price to go to the front of the net except for Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kakaniemi. Which is yeah, saying and they've something. earned that latitude because of their play since the start of the playoffs, right? I mean, at a certain point, if you're rook- you're being outplayed by rookies, don't be surprised when it just. I, I mean, well, it's, it's I, interesting I, to me because a lot of these guys aren't signed beyond next season, and it's a flat cap scenario going forward. So the Canadians, if they lose tonight, Canadians fans like chill out, as Carey Price would say, chill out because they hold all the cards. They have probably the best rental 
roster right now available to sell off if needed at the draft or at next trade deadline if they continue in this way. As long as Kotkaniemi and Suzuki are the ones that are emerging as the best players, it has accomplished more to me than the difference between the ninth overall and the 16th overall. Interesting. So, you, I mean, because they're sailing so far, they're carrying them in their toe. Like, the organization took a big forward or leave forward? I think so. Because think about it this way. If Max Domi is traded this summer, say, say, because hypothetically right, to hypothetically, a team like Pittsburgh, you have to, yeah, hypothetically to a team like Pittsburgh, Minnesota, or teams that are interested in him, he is a center. I think this proves to everybody that he's simply ineffective as a winger and he needs to play center so that he can control the puck. That being said, a team that wants a top six center like Max Domi, I know fans have short term memories, but GMs do not. I'll give you a direct example. Rutherford gave Phil Kessel for Alex Galchenyuk and uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph. And the reasoning he gave for trading for Alex Galchenyuk was, oh, well, he was a 30-goal scorer. Max Domi scored 28 goals and had 72 points last year on the Montreal Canadiens. GMs don't forget that. Even on a bad season, he was trending for 50 points. And he's probably going to sign a a pretty team-friendly contract uh, to whomever gets him because his recent play and the fact that the cap is flat will mean that he's not going to make $9 million a year. He'll probably be somewhere around five to seven. Now that is hyper valuable for a team. So yeah, obviously a team like Pittsburgh, if you're willing to take on a contract like Nick Bukestad, will give you futures uh, for a guy like Max Domi. However, the Canadians have $18 million in cap space. They have Max Domi and Victor Mete to sign. And that's pretty much it. They can do a lot of things this summer. They could trade uh, a guy like Thomas Tatar, for example, especially if they retain. Thomas Tatar is worth $4.8 million right now. The Canadians can retain up to 50%. So they can trade him at $2.4 million for a year uh, in an era where teams are looking to cut costs, uh, cut costs uh, pretty much everywhere. And we're talking about big teams too, like, like Pittsburgh. So $2.4 million could very much be enticing for a top six winger, especially when he won't be tasked with being the top scorer of a team. As a complementary player or as an additional player to a team's existing core, Thomas Tatar could be an extremely valuable piece. So they have a lot of leeway, probably the most leeway out of any team that could possibly turn around and compete for the playoffs next season. So to me, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see an aggressive Mark Bergevin. But again, Canadians fans, the best thing that you could take from this is the fact that Montreal, the best players on the ice right now, are the youngest players. So uh, before I ask my obviously upcoming question that's coming here, I want to shout out and let everyone know about something, a feature that we have here on the podcast. Thanks to Anchor, our sponsor and our platform that we're running through. If you'd like to send voice messages to both uh, Adam, Marco or myself, you can using the Anchor app. So take advantage of it. If you go to our podcast page on Anchor, even if you're not logged in, you'll see a button that says you can click message and then you can brought to a record screen. You can record a voice message for up to one minute. So record your message, say your name, say hello. And uh, if it's really interesting or or you bring some really interesting uh, insight, we'll actually play it on the show. So uh, go check that out on our anchor page, anchor.fm slash hockey flow. So the obvious question, and I'm going to get some hate for this, is there a chance? I think, well, for a game, yes. Yeah, yeah qualify that, that question. <laughs> qualify yeah, I should have qualified it. Is there a chance we'll win one other game in the series? Yeah, there's a chance. Okay. I'm going to let you elaborate there, but I think there's a chance. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, is there a chance of exiting out of this this no. this round? <laughs> I think that it would take a miracle bigger than when Montreal came back to beat Boston in two thousand and two. 
So like With Richard Zednick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Koivu <laughs> and all that. It would take a, yeah. a, an upstart miracle. Uh, but Adam, I really want to hear what you have to say on it. Okay. I think they're winning tonight. We're recording Wednesday, so they're playing game five tonight. Uh, I think they need to, they're going to score. They haven't scored in two games. Uh, I think they're taking game five and I think it's going to be over in six afterwards. I mean, you just see Carter Hart putting one hell of a show. Uh, Back-to-back shutouts. He's only allowed one goal uh, in the first game. And then he went on to, with that five goal blowout. But other that, other than that, he's been very solid, and I think just the way Philly's been playing, given it's boring to watch, it's been working against the Canadians, and I think they're just going to continue rolling afterwards. Certainly, their def- the discipline is second to none. It just uh, again, like Marco was saying before, I can't believe this is the series we got, and yeah. the Islanders got the series they got. Yeah, this is classic Michel Terrier, guys. Like, exactly. I'm be straight up with you, this this has Terrier written all over it. Anti hockey um, crap. It's Ugh. just and and, and look. I'm going to be straight up with you guys. Carter Hart, back-to-back shutouts. The easiest shutouts in the playoffs I have seen in a long time. Long time. Lots of luck. Many posts. Great goaltender. Future Vesno winner. But he's not the one that's making the difference here. It is absolutely on the, on the coaching and the way that the forwards... If you look at the way... That a player, whenever Montreal enters the zone, there are minimum three flyers around him. And if ever you notice, there are no Montreal Canadiens near him. So it's always one guy by themselves trying to enter the zone, forcibly dumping the puck, going to the other side, getting obviously beat by the third flyer man in the zone to the puck. And then the flyers make a quick zone entry. And that's when they can exit. That's when the Canadians can actually enter the zone. Before that, you have a four-man wall at the red line waiting for you, playing an absolute New Jersey Devils-esque trap. And that is simply because, and I state this, the Philadelphia Flyers' top guns are absolutely not having any form of impact whatsoever. Like, where is Claude Giroux? Where is Jacob Voracek? Even Katuri, I don't find him very engaged offensively. These guys are all floating. Kevin Hayes, I find him floating. Who's driving the play? The plumbers, man. I feel like Mike Raffle coming in and getting a perfect shot on Carey Price. What a goal. Um, these are guys that are, are pushing forward. Joel Farabi, who was even scratched in game three, uh, thankfully drew back in for J- James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, good goal as well, chippy goal. So I like the way that they're playing, but if they think that they're going to be able to take that versus maybe the Islanders, because if, if, if the Flyers beat the Canadians and the Islanders beat the, the, the Capitals, it's the Islanders versus... The, the Flyers, good luck trying to play the trap versus Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz will look at your trap and raise you a trap, and it'll be trap squared. So you won't know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, they, they better hope that their offensive players open up. Okay, so uh, one other thing we should mention for the series is that Kirk Muller is behind the bench because uh, Claude Julien um, had to be rushed to hospital. I think we covered this last time. I don't know the timeline again. It might be just not there, but in case it's not, uh, Julien is not behind the bench. He's been in hospital. He's outside. Uh, he had a stent installed in a coronary, uh, coronary artery. artery coronary artery my apologies and he's begun uh, going on walks so that's what the news that we found out yesterday i'm glad to hear that um he was at saint michael's hospital in toronto on wednesday uh, i think and it was 
It's just because he was experiencing chest pain and it, he had surgery on the Thursday after that. So glad to hear he's doing better. Uh, hopefully the Canadians will also pull off something for him as a nice little tribute. Uh, let's go from there. I want to jump back to the uh, West Coast. Let's talk about the Flames and the Stars. So this is a series that has Dallas and Calgary battling it out. Right now, Dallas is leading that series 3-2 to two, uh, with the loss last night to the Flames being um, in a 2-1 loss. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to you, Marco. What, what are the key takeaways that we should be thinking about right now? I mean, I, Flames are on the brink of elimination after that wrister from Klinsberg, uh, uh, Klingberg. Excuse me. Yeah, I think Dallas's team is being led by their defense right now. I mean, what can you say about Miro Heiskin and Jesus Murphy? People are talking about Darlene versus Hughes versus McCart. Everyone's sleeping on Miro Heiskin. And this guy is their number one defenseman. He's 21 years old, and he's just coming into his own before us. Um, Anton Kudabin put into almost an impossible situation uh, with uh, whatever is going on with Ben Bishop really coming out on top here. I think he's adding, uh, you know, zeros to his next paycheck because he just looks amazing out there. And what can be said about the return of Tyler City to this team? Um, he's just playing exceptional overall hockey. I feel like he's been really, really good. Uh, I think this is Dallas's. I think this is Dallas's to win. Honest to God, I think that this is going to be. Um, do they play tomorrow or is it tonight? I, uh, good question. Tomorrow, I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I think it ends yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, I'm not. Gonna I mean, lie. how much can we say more about like that Jamie Ben shorthanded goal? Yep. It was just like kind of. I feel like kinda, that broke them. I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of like if you had to point to a symbol of like how bad. I mean, I went badly, but like how frequently they've been dominated mm. by. Uh, by Dallas, it's just that's that's the one, right? I mean, can't be stopped even by the net. And I will also add that at the beginning of the season, people were shitting on 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 a guy like Joe Pavelski. Um, five goals, yeah. Joe that's Pavelski is. Yeah. This is why you sign a guy like Joe Pavelski because no matter how old he is, he is a gamer. He is a guy that will show up in the playoffs and take over. And that hat trick last game, I feel like, was the catalyst. I know, obviously, Radulov scored the overtime goal. But don't come tell me that that, go- that game was not won by Joe Pavelski. And this is why you go out and get a character guy like him and why you pay him that much, because he will win you games when it counts. Is there some and, way that the Flames could turn this around, though? I mean, is there like maybe like Johnny Gaudreau could like I mean, he can't find the time and the space against that star's defense right mm-hmm. now. But is there a way to unlock it? Well, I, see, I, that I don't have a problem with Johnny Gaudreau. I think Johnny Gaudreau is having himself a pretty fair series. I don't know if you agree with me, Adam. I think perhaps someone we should be pointing the finger to happens to be Monaghan was the bigger of the two. And yet Johnny Gaudreau is the one that looks like he's playing like more of a, of a, a hungry puck hound Kyle style of a game. And let's not also underestimate the fact that Matthew Kachuk is out yep. their best winger, in my opinion. So I would like to hear your opinion because I, I, I didn't think Gaudreau was playing bad at all. No, I like what Godot's been putting. Uh, I, I should clarify. I just was sorry to interrupt you, Adam, but like I should clarify. I don't think he's bad. I think he is just simply like it just it didn't happen for him. That's all. I feel you. Sorry, Adam. Do you? Did me cutting you off like actually cut off your internet connection, man? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I set him to the next dimension. Sorry, man. Uh, all right. Well. I'm sure whatever you had to say, Adam, it was brilliant. <laughs> Let's go from there. Uh, give Adam a little hug and a little love on Twitter. Really, Adam B. Uh, and like you know, tell him to update his internet connection. Let's go from there. Uh, let's talk about the game that's happening right now, and that's the Blue Jackets versus the Lightning. Game five of the Eastern uh, first round. Um, it's right now ongoing. Should I say the score? Yeah, I'll say the score. It doesn't matter. It's two one right now at the end of the first period. So uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where. 
this is kind of done deal, right? I would say, Marco. I wouldn't say it's a done deal in, in terms of this game being over, but I think it's very easy to see. Like if you give if you give Tampa Bay four opportunities, because that's essentially what they have, four opportunities to eliminate the Columbus Blue Jackets. Look, I love the effort of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I love the way they played. That fifth overtime game that they played together was just beautiful to watch if you like boring hockey. But ultimately for me, the Columbus Blue Jackets luck has run out. And I know this is going to be music to Leafs fans, but they were extremely lucky to have beaten the Leafs to begin with. Um, They're a worse team this year, unfortunately, than they were last year. They were pretty much just playing the trap again. And this is a team that makes sense to play the trap, not a team with two potential, you know, three potential point per game players like Philadelphia. Uh, And you just cannot play the trap versus Tampa Bay. Uh, They're too deep and you can't play Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski 60 minutes a game unless, of course, there's six overtimes. So really, it's it comes down to it. Uh, I don't think they're deep enough to handle it. I don't think that they have the skill to keep up. Um, And really, the moment they don't have the lead, their game plan goes right out the window. So that's what's happening right now is Tampa Bay is getting leads, and that's why they're able to win. I think so. It's just shown that killer instinct, right? I mean, it's, I mean, from that first game where we had the fourth longest game in NHL history, and then Braden Point scoring a 10-27, I think it was, of the fifth yeah. overtime, just uh, they've kind of dictated that pace. They had that one bounce back in, in game two with a 3-1 win, but they, they, they don't seem to have anything any more answers. And uh, at the end of the day, it looks like Tampa's just sticking to that game plan and there's nothing they can do to crack it. I mean, as also, like I think one of the big pieces of this has been how strong Tampa's power play has been, right? 11 straight power plays, right? I mean, like, it's that's insane. And then all of a sudden, nothing, right? Like, they have nothing going in there. What's the deal? Well, that's momentum for you, man. That's the playoffs. I feel like, you know, you can say the same thing about Philly. Philly's, Philly's power play is non-existent. So it's, <laughs> and these are, these were top power plays during the, the regular season. So, you know, it shows good coaching. It shows proper adjustment. But the number one thing I'm going to say uh, when it comes to the way Tampa Bay has changed, I feel like Tampa Bay is hungrier. They have more to lose this year. They're very bitter about the loss last year. They're first on pucks. Um, Wait, they don't want to send out another one of those Twitter statements. We're, we're sorry. We don't know what happened. How is this possible? <laughs> I mean, look, that's on the social media team, I guess. But the players, no, the players have pride. Uh, and, you know, the players also have to look at the fact that there's going to be a flat salary cap for the next two to three years. It's not going to go up much, even in year three. So if they want to win together, this is the year because next year they're losing at least one or two guys in their top nine, just to be able to retain uh, Anthony Sorelli, Sergeyev, Cernak, um, you know, in the subsequent seasons. Uh, and that's really it. And then you have expansion the year after. And so that's three or four guys from your, from this very deep team that could be gone. So this is it. And I think they realize that this is their opportunity. And I think they have the secondary scoring and the, and the youth to kill. All right. So uh, Adam hasn't managed to get back in. So I'm going to have to throw it over to you, Marco, for the last thoughts. What are your last thoughts? Um, honestly, I, I feel like these playoffs have been fun. Uh, I feel like they we're making the best of them. Um, to fans of teams of... Yeah, to fans of teams about to be eliminated, chill going to be okay this is this happens every year i understand upset there's 
nothing that is the end of the world. I'm speaking clearly to Chicago Blackhawk fans and Montreal Canadiens fans. Uh, we all thought that the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to finish uh, with Lafreniere this year and finish last. Uh, they ended up making the playoffs and beating the Leafs. I feel like that's Christmas for me. So ultimately, enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the fact that you have sport right now. Organize sport at a time like this. Uh, take it in and realize that, you know, maybe hockey isn't just a linear sport of numbers. There's a lot that happens on the ice that we don't understand Uh, and it's just a question of taking it all in. Awesome. Adam managed to get back in before the end of the show. Adam, final thoughts before we uh, tag out for the show. No thoughts. Um, I think we still have some great hockey left. I think we're seeing two or three teams getting eliminated today uh, with those 3-1 series lead. Um, yeah, I think uh, when's the next time we'll talk? Uh, round two will be started, I think, right? So we'll have... Uh, Yeah, so we'll have uh, those previews for you. And yeah, I think yeah, there's still a great series to look forward to. Awesome. That's it for us here on the Hockey Flow. You can find and check out all of our work at HockeyFlow.com. That's HockeyFlow.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at Flow. So that's D-A Hockey Flow. Uh, again, sorry about the, inter- the technical issues. We're trying to do the best we can. We don't have any words, and we know you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, everything you're feeling. We get it. This isn't the ending we imagined, but certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. If you don't get that reference, well, go check out last year's series. <laughs> all right, peeps. That's it for the Hockey Flow this week. Uh, you can check out all of Marco's great work on scrimmageandstats.com, and of course, follow him and talk to him and mess with him and chirp him on Twitter, at the Hockey Expert. and Adam's also on Twitter, really Adam B. I'm Major Cordero. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you guys next week.